we have to let go of the past in order to enjoy the present and also to be able to dream of the future. The way into the Holy of Holies was opened for all people for all time for both Jew and Gentile. The veil being torn from top to bottom, folks, is a fact of history. The profound significance of this event is explained in detail in Hebrews. The things of the temple were shadows of things to come. And they all ultimately point us to Jesus Christ. He is the veil to the Holy of Holies. And through his death, the faithful now have totally free access to God. Could you bring up the reading, please, Chris? Or if you'd like to open your Bibles to Mark fifteen thirty-eight and 39. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely... This man is the son of God. I've titled my message today called Christ Our Curtain. The outstanding day of the year for Aaron. Aaron was a priest in Moses' day. And... um, The outstanding day of the year for Aaron and for each anointed priest who succeeded him was the Day of Atonement. When he passed through the curtain separating the outer compartment of the sanctuary, which is called the Holy Place, from the inner, which is called the Holy of Holies, and presented the blood of a sacrifice for the sins of the people... On this occasion, he did not wear his colourful vestments of glory and beauty, but a white linen robe. Thanks, Chris, you can take that one off now. Cherubim, you know what a cherubim is? It's a type of angel. Do you know any other types of angels? Seraphim. Seraphim, that's it. Ark. Ark. Hey? Powers. Well, there's only three types of angels that I know of. Ark, cherubim, and seraphim. So they're the only three that I'm aware of in, in Scripture. Anyway, cherubim were also woven into the curtains that covered the tabernacle itself. And, or you, oh, by the way, you can read all about this in Exodus 26. And into the curtain between the holy place and the most holy place. Of crucial importance is that above the atonement cover, between the two cherubim, is where God would meet with his people. (coughs) Excuse me. The high priest himself had to be cleansed from the pollution of sin before he could function as a member to offer the sin offering for the people. 
The idea of the temple curtain was to let the sins of the previous year be atoned for. This allowed a person to begin the new year with a clean slate. Can you imagine, folks, holding on to sin for a whole year? Some people do. But could you imagine committing a, a sin, a known sin, and then, you know, oh, it was just the atonement last week, now I've got another 51 weeks to hang on to this thing before I can have it dealt with. I'm glad we don't live in those days now. I don't know where this idea of New Year's resolutions come from, but certainly here was an opportunity for these people to make good on last year's mistakes. Living this side of the cross allows us to have our sin atoned for any time we like. Any time, 24-7, eight days a week. In fact, our sin is already atoned for. Even the sin you have not committed that you might commit next week or next year, the atonement that Christ did has got it covered. That's not to say that we should continue to sin, as Paul says in Romans 6, we should not. No longer do we need to go to the temple. No longer do we need to kill cattle. When Christ died, the curtain was torn in two. We read about that in Mark 15 earlier. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Not from bottom to top, but from top to bottom. And the fact that this occurred from top to bottom signified that God is the one who tore that thick curtain. It was not torn from the bottom by men ripping it. God was showing that the way of access into his presence was now available to everyone. This act instantly did away with Old Testament law and now allows mankind to come into God's presence through the blood of Christ and its atoning qualities. I wonder what those Jewish leaders thought of what were they called? The Sanhedrin, were they, Gaza? Yeah. And the other teachers of the law. What they must have thought when they went to the temple next and saw the curtain torn and the Holy of Holies and the Ark of the Covenant exposed, would they have thought, surely... This man is the son of God. Well, the Bible doesn't tell us what they were thinking. But they must have been shocked, to say the least. 
The veil of the temple was a constant reminder that sin renders humanity unfit for the presence of God. The fact that the sin offering was offered annually and countless other sacrifices repeated daily showed that sin could not truly be atoned for or erased by animal sacrifices alone. And not to discredit the law or the Ten Commandments, but they pointed the way to sin. They showed people... Well, they gave people a list of things. You can do this, but you can't do that. But it didn't really help them a lot in absolving their sin or atoning for their sin, except for the once a year that they went to the temple. And there's even a case of one guy that committed adultery and the earth opened up and swallowed him and his family and his cattle and his all his belongings. <laughs> Instant dismissal. That was quick judgment. But I'm glad we don't live in days of judgment now. We live in days of grace. And if you commit something wrong in the eyes of God, you've got from today till the rest of your life to fix it up. And if you don't, you might be in trouble. If you do, you can move on. Jesus Christ, through his death, has removed the barriers between God and man. And now we may approach him, that is God the Father, with confidence and boldness because of what Jesus has done. There's no need for us to carry around unconfessed sin. It will only weigh you down with guilt and despair. Never be afraid, folks, to bend the knee and humble the heart. Never be afraid to bend the knee and humble the heart. You know, it doesn't hurt. It can be a bit prideful not to do that. But I'll tell you what, get the thing out in the open, get it dealt with, and move on with your life. I actually reckon prevention is better than cure. Prevent yourself. Put measures in place to prevent yourself from committing the sin in the first place. Yeah? We see what happened to David, where one sin followed another, which followed another. You know, he saw Bathsheba. Oh, lust of the eyes, would we say? He slept with Bathsheba. Oh, lust of the flesh. He had a husband killed. Murder. You can see how one sin was progressing to another, to another. Just out of lust. I want the woman. That's it. She gave birth and the baby died. The baby didn't live. So... You know, like David's problem was that he didn't actually repent until the prophet came and made him aware. And I don't want to have to come around to your house and say, hey. (laughs) But really prevention is better than committing the sin. Let's have a read, please, Chris and everybody. Hebrews 10, 19 to 26. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest uh, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which has consecrated 
for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love. We didn't have the NIV version there. Anyway, I'll just keep reading. Um, And let us consider one another and provoke unto love to good works, not forsaking for the assembly of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as all you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after that, we have received the knowledge after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. That's the last of it, is it, Chris? Okay. Thanks. You can take that off now. The writer of Hebrews says that Christ's body is now the curtain. Christ is the go-between for us to access the Father. I always like the idea when I'm praying, I pray to the Father in the power of the Spirit and in the name of Jesus. We're not told to pray to the Holy Spirit per se. We can thank God for what the Holy Spirit's done. We're not told to pray to the Son, but we're told to pray to the Father through the Spirit. In, in other words, allow the Spirit to bring your prayer in the name of Christ. So Christ is the go-between for us to access the Father. The readers of Hebrews should have confidence to enter into the Holy of Holies and come into the very presence of God. And we can only go into the presence of God ourselves because Christ is in us. See, Christ was not in the Old Testament priest. And so he had to be cleansed, wear special clothes before he'd go into God's presence. But because we have Christ in us, God doesn't look at our sinful self, but he looks at Christ. He looks at us through Christ. And that allows us now to go into the Holy of Holies because on the inside or our spirit, our spirit is clean. Our flesh might be dirty and probably will be till the day we die, but our spirit is clean. God's presence is the most holy place. God's presence is the most holy place. And the curtain that once was a barrier to man is no longer there. Christ's death gave believers the needed access and the way to God. Christ is now the curtain. He 
is the doorway to God. Jesus is our, well, not just our priest, but our high priest. And he is the mediator between God and mankind. Believers can now approach God with sincere hearts, absolutely full of assurance of faith. We have enjoyed, folks, the freedom of guilt. We have the sense of personal holiness that Christ's sacrifice makes possible. The contrast between the Old Testament way of atonement and the New Testament way of atonement shows us the most awesome plan of God to redeem to redeem mankind unto himself. And I wonder what you are doing about having more of God in your life. There is always room for more of God in our lives than there is right now. Don't become a complacent believer, but be purposeful about progressing your Christian life. Don't worry about what other people might think about you or what other people might say about you to others. Oh, look at Kathy. She's a Christian. Who? So because, you know what I mean? Because our relationship with the Godhead is far more important than some people's thoughts about us. Because we on this planet for not very long, 70, 80, 90, some make it to 100. But we'll be in heaven for longer than 100 years. In fact, even longer than 10,000 years. Can you imagine being in heaven for 50 bazillion years? In fact, even longer. We're talking about eternity. It's hard to get your head around because you can't put a number on it. But, you know, I don't know. Like, I think of a million years, that's a long time, isn't it? You know, when we only live to be around about, you know, a hundred or a bit less. So I just find it hard to get my head around that we're going to be in heaven for so long. And, you know, we get tormented by the devil here for the duration of our physical life. But for all of the time, the rest of eternity, no devil, folks. Can you imagine a life that's sin-free? No temptation, no bad thought. No bad movie, no bad magazine, no bad anything. Just like a sin-free life. Sickness is gone. No more waiting at the doctor three hours to get in, only to be given some tablets and say, go home and rest, you'll be okay. That's gone. That's gone I mean it's worth it there is always 
more room for God in our lives than there is right now. This whole idea of atonement is the redemption of our sins brought about by salvation. The greatest problem facing mankind is the curse of sin. We've just talked about that. And the day of atonement involves not only the forgiveness of sin, but the day of atonement actually deals with the removal of the primary cause of sin. Satan and his demons. Now, we talked before about, you know, giving the devil airplay. Oh, why did you do that, Pastor Stuart? The devil made me do it. Have you ever heard people say that? Okay, okay. But let me also say, did God not create you with a free will? And if the devil did make you do something or whisper in your ear or even shout very loudly in your ear, you still have a choice. And if you're struggling with that choice, you have the one that atoned for your sin to call on, Jesus. But sin still creeps in, doesn't it? And then we kick ourselves and go, oh, wish I hadn't have done that. I wish I hadn't have said that. I wish I hadn't have listened to that thing. Have you read that bit in the Gospels where it says if the hand offends you, cut it off? If the eye offends you, pluck it out? I heard about a bloke in America that took that literally. Yep. Had his hand removed because it caused him to sin. Tough, isn't it? The scriptures, folks, tell us that Satan is alive and well on the planet, but he will be done away with permanently. But not today and not tomorrow, but he will be done away with permanently. We all know that Satan is alive and well on planet Earth, but in his temptation, Jesus dealt with him. And I really like what Jesus did here. In his temptation, Jesus dealt with him. Now, some of us have probably had a time of prayer and fasting at some stage in our lives. Imagine what it would be like to whiz into the desert for 40 days and fast. At the end of the 40 days, would you not be hungry? And if someone came along, a wizard or whatever, a magic person, said, I've got some stones here, just give me the word and they're bread, would you be tempted? You know, 
I mean, what if he said, I've got some stones here and we can turn it into a beautiful pavlova or a roast lamb dinner? And you say, no, 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 it's all right. I've been fasting for 40 days, you know, another, another couple of hours. It's not going to make much difference, you know. The point is Jesus resisted, resisted three temptations by the devil. He quoted scripture to the devil. Now, when we read John chapter 1, who actually is the scripture? Because scripture is a person. The word became flesh. So when you quote scripture, you're actually quoting Christ because he's the word. And that's powerful. Imagine you come down to IGA where I work and you're walking down the lolly aisle and you see the cherry ripes and they're going, steal me, just slip it up your sleeve and nobody will know, you know. That's how they do it. And then you can quote the Bible to that thought, thou shalt not steal. You walk out of that shop with your head hung down, you're ashamed at having such a thought, but you've not committed sin. We also need to understand direct influences from Satan, like Jesus did, as opposed to stepping out of God's will and presence and subjecting yourself to worldly ways or Satan's indirect influence upon your life. So there's a few different ways that the devil can get to us. Yes, he can come at us with temptation and we know how to resist him to make him flee. That's fair enough. But then there's other more subtle ways that Satan can... uh, influence our lives. I won't say attack, but influence our lives. You might desire to watch, maybe you've seen a movie trailer and you think, oh, this is a, might be a pretty good movie. And you flick it on and it's just like inappropriate. That's another way that Satan can get to us. Again, it becomes our choice. You know, you might think, oh, man, I'm pretty broke this week. I've had lots of bills and I've only got 10 bucks left and I want to shoot into the pokies and see how I do, you know. How could you? It's, It's another subtle way that the devil can plant these ideas into our mind. But remember, the choice, the choice, folks, is ours. One day, a few years ago, when I wasn't working and I was, I was at a church and um, I was on the dole, I was at a church in Bendigo for 12 months there, no income, on the dole and went to church on the Sunday night and had $5 left and... in the wallet and that was it and the plate was going around and I felt challenged 
to put my money in the plate, but I really wanted to hang on to it because <coughs> that was all we had till payday. Anyway, so I responded to the challenge and I put the money in the plate. Next morning at 8 o'clock, I got a call. G'day, Stu. This is Greg from church. I work at Toyota. I need to have a car delivered up to Morlamine and my driver's sick. Can you transport a car for me and we'll arrange for you to get a lift back? I'll pay you $75. Be faithful to God. I'm not saying just stick the money in, but because that's not what happened to me. I was challenged. I felt challenged by God. And so then when I responded to his challenge, that's when the blessing came. When you respond to the challenge that God places in your heart, that's when the blessings will come. Although our human nature has a part to play in our sins, Satan, the devil, bears great responsibility for influencing mankind to disobey God. And that, <clears throat> excuse me, that's really what the devil wants you to do. It's his desire to get you to disobey God. Yeah. He doesn't care what it is that you do. He just wants you to disobey God. You think about it. You think about it. Every time that devil has whispered in your ear, this or that or the other, it's all about disobeying God. That's, that's what he's, that's his plan. That's his vision. That's his focus. Oh, there's a bunch of Christians there. I shall do my best to get them to disobey God. They will feel so guilty. Woo! He'll be rubbing his hands together. Not with us. Not with us here at Waddle City Church. We don't disobey God, do we, folks? We try our best not to. Okay. I know we all slip and we fall, but that's a clue to let you know what the devil's plan is. When Jesus healed people, he didn't say that their sickness was a direct result of a satanic attack. Yeah, he healed the blind man. He didn't say anything like, oh, yeah, you've been attacked by the devil or anything like that. He was just like blind from birth or yeah, whatever, whatever. Um, when Peter and John went up to the temple gate and the guy said, give me some money, and he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have given by thee. And they led the guy into the salvation and he was healed. So they, again, they didn't say, oh, you've had a satanic attack upon your life. They didn't go into that area. They didn't give the devil airplay. Maybe he did, maybe he did, didn't. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, does it? It's about... It was about the healing. It was about God's presence, about God's power upon this guy's life. Satan lives to cause us to disobey God. And when we do that, we open up ourselves to even more that the devil has for us. So remain obedient to scripture.
keep short accounts with God and resist the devil when he comes a knocking on your door. There's no more room. Whoa, hang on. There is no more penance for sin. You know, do you commit a sin? You commit a sin. Do you have to go and do something? You know, like Martin Luther used to whip his own back. I'll sin again, you idiot. You don't have to do that. Jesus took the punishment. Yeah? So we don't have to punish ourselves, do we? We just have to get on the knee. Bend the knee and open the heart, folks. Jesus dealt with our sin when the temple curtain was torn in two. We have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And Chris, I think we might sing that as our final song, if you can find it in the archives there somewhere. We have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And our sin has been atoned for. Let me wrap it up. Jesus Christ, through his death, has removed the barriers between God and man. And now we may approach God with confidence and boldness. Folks, there is an awesome and a glorious life to be lived with Christ as our head. Go now and enjoy the rest of your life and all that God has for you in your life and your ministry. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for what Jesus did on the cross. And we even read the account, or read the account at Easter time, how shocked the two ladies were when they went to the tomb and they found the stone rolled away. They started chatting to the gardener. Oh, Lord. What a glorious day. What a glorious celebration. We even celebrated your resurrected life today and your death on the cross. How your body was broken and your blood was spilt to wash us clean from the stain of sin. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us as much as you can, Lord. And that we will be diligent, Lord, in resisting the devil and focusing on Christ in our everyday life, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to a Wattle City Church podcast. If you download the Anchor podcast app and type Wattle City Church into the search engine, you can listen to more and great podcasts from Wattle City Church. Thanks.